I'm Derek. And I'm Noah. And you're listening to Abido. Where we take our current favorite pop culture obsession and enjoy it one nibble at a time. Yeah, we're still on a boat, guys. We're still on a... But are we? I don't know. <laughs> I can't believe we're six episodes in now, and I'm still just as confused as before. Oh, my God. It's so much. <laughs> so much. This is our podcast, continuing talking about 1899. I have to consciously think about the title because I always want to say 19. <laughs> and I always call it Dark. Which is a completely different show. <laughs> <laughs> Noah and I have conversations about it and it sounds like we're talking about two different shows. <laughs> Sometimes it is. <laughs> all right. So just some reminders before we get into this episode. Make sure you're following us on all socials at A Bite of Pod. You can find all those links down below in the description while you're at it. I mean, if you don't want to follow us, just subscribe to the podcast. On whatever app you're on, that way you get all the episodes right when they drop. And lastly, no, second to lastly, make sure you leave a review, because that's nice. If you're subscribing, just go like beep beep on the stars. That's good. And then, Patreon. You like our show, support the show, get free stuff, get bonus episodes. It's fun. We're actually sending out our um, holiday surprises to our Patreon members soon. So look out for those in your mailboxes. (laughs) That's always exciting. Yeah. Happy December. You're getting a free prize. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have one more episode of 1899 covering the penultimate and ultimate episode next week. Whoa. Two in one. <gasps> oh, man. And then Christmas time. Bye-bye. Christmas time is here. <laughs> We're going to release an episode and it's just the Charlie Brown music. <gasps> That'd be fun. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we get into this episode, spoiler warning. Bunch of spoiler waters ahead. We're talking about the entirety of the series, except for the last two episodes. Right, right. Because we have not watched it. All right, so let's take a look back at 1899, episode three, The Fog, and episode four, The Fight. We get a glimpse into both Ling Yi and Lucien's pasts. Ling Yi accidentally killed a young girl and took her place to head to America. Dun, dun, dun. Lucien was once on the battle lines with Jerome, but deceives him and pretends to be a lieutenant to survive. Dun, dun, dun. Double dun, dun, dun. While Mora and Ike try to figure out more of the mystery of the ships, Eben and Franz decide to lead a mutiny. Split into two factions, the set of travelers that want to head back to America come to the conclusion that the boy is the cause of all their troubles and throw him overboard. Ike's side gathers in the dining room where the boy reappears in identical cupboard as the one they found him in on the Prometheus. Dun, dun, dun. Lights. Wee, wee, oh my wee. God, guys. Oh my God. So that was, that's a look back. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So let us officially take a bite of 1899, episode five, The Calling. And episode six, The Pyramid. Ooh, I liked when you said mutiny, you went, mutiny. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even realize I did that. Yeah, that's why I was trying not to laugh. (laughs) I was like, you get, every time you do these look backs or like narration in any any type, you always do a different type of voice. Your cadence is so different. It's it's fun to watch. That's my, that's my look back character. He's sort of like the movie phone guy. Oh my God. (laughs) It pressed one for mutiny. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they did. <laughs> they sure did. All right. So, you know, if you could get a visual of us during watching these videos, talking about it and doing our notes, just think of Charlie Day with the conspiracy theory board and trying to put it all together. 
that's what this show is doing to us because the more we get into it, the more we don't know what's happening. Yeah. And we have someone on our Discord has watched the series already. And he's like, it's hilarious listening to you guys theorize about what's going to happen because he already knows what's going to happen. Yeah. So he's just sitting back and laughing, listening. Well, I'm glad we can make you laugh because <laughs> we're going insane over here. Absolutely. <laughs> so the beginning of episode five opens up with Mara again, waking up in an unknown place, which later we find out is where she kind of grew up, but it looks a little different. Mm. She sees a grave marker that says, wake up, which is something we keep hearing over and over in this show. I think they need to wake up. Like, it's not real. The Matrix, come on. <laughs> you, you know what I'm realizing is that wasn't uh, Hillary Duff, didn't she have a song <laughs> called Wake Up? You know, she probably did. This wake up, wake up oh, on yeah, a yeah, Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. Hello. This is all just Hillary Duff. <laughs> this <laughs> is the mind of Lizzie McGuire. Yes, exactly. They're all just the cartoon characters. <gasps> oh, man. She was ahead of her time. She <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So <laughs> she, we see the continuation of the scene from the very first episode with her in the asylum getting taken, her calling for her father, where her brother, blah, blah, blah. Mm. We see a little bit more of that. And she just gets put in the chair and, an, and it's ejected with something and yeah. then wakes up. Ugh. So from the time that the last episode and now she had this some sort of different experience, went somewhere else, whatever, and she woke up. Yeah. So. I, I'm trying to remember how episode four ended. When did she go to sleep? Did well, she faint? It's, it's not clear right? on when that happens. I kind of have a theory. It happens quite a bit in this these two episodes. Mm. Um, and I think it's on purpose. They kind of do get taken in a way. Mm. I don't know. It's weird. Everybody is kind of like an NPC that can be activated and yeah, deactivated yeah, yeah. at certain, certain times. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because I'm pretty sure the last episode ended with Ike being like, tell me why you were on the passenger list of the other ship. Then she fainted. I guess so. She yeah. got the vapors. Whoa. So while she was having this experience, they locked the boy in the cupboard exactly how he was locked in the cupboard when they found him on the Prometheus, mm -hmm. which is interesting. It's like they've been here before. <gasps> yeah, as Same Beyonce thing. sings. Deja vu. Oh my god. That's the second song you've mentioned. We haven't had a musical episode <laughs> in a while. In less than seven minutes, you've mentioned <laughs> two songs. Yes, I'm back on my game, people. <laughs> He's back. So Ike continues to push her and ask her why she's on the passenger list. Which brings us to this episode. I do want to preface these next two episodes. We've been doing both of them kind of at the same time. Mm. This is easier to follow if we take if we discuss the episode five and then episode six. It's just going to be easier that way for us and probably for you to listen to this. Mm. And I do want to preface that there is trigger warning. There is some very terrible scenes that we will talk about later in the episode. So, yeah, just wanted to warn you. I actually think in this episode, too. So trigger warning for suicide and rape. All right. So. Hot off the heels of mutiny from the last two episodes. There's still kind of a mutiny happening, but something's going to happen that's going to bring everybody together. <laughs> <laughs> so they plan to continue course. The people that took over the boat, Franz and the Dutch and everybody else, <laughs> they decide to still go towards America. But we do find out that they're burning coal way too fast. Mm -hmm. 
America's about four days away and they're going to have no coal in about two days. So good job, guys. Yeah, Franz. <laughs> you should know more than that. You yeah, float in the middle of the ocean. And apparently, did you know that the penalty for mutiny is death? And who is like, we're not going to surrender is Mama Dutch. She's like, I don't care if more sacrifices need to be had. So be it. Oh, yeah. She said, guess who's whispering in my ear? God. God. And he said, don't back down. Kill more people. He said, go for it. <laughs> he said, who go. cares? Grab a gun, baby. <laughs> so we get the scene. And the reason why I, I kind of want to talk about the scene with Tove and Crester is because it is one of the last moments we see them together. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's important to talk about. So Tove confides in Prester that he she believes that their mother is going mad, which yeah. we have been saying since episode one, essentially. But she doesn't believe that God's actually talking to her, that she's just it's signs of madness. Yeah, she's mentally right. Yeah. Ill. And Crester mentions that Tove has killed someone before. And they had planned to leave their parents with Ada once they got to America. Right. I don't blame them necessarily. And we'll talk about the killing that Tove had done later on. We don't want to start this episode off with that scene, mm-hmm. but we will get to it. Yeah. And she does say to him, she says, you know, how could you be behind our mother? She killed that boy. Yeah. Meaning the boy that they threw over overboard. And he says, well, you killed someone too. And she goes, well, that was different. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of sets the tone. And, and she's trying to get him back almost. Because Crester has, it feels like, already just gone to the mother's side. And he was so close to Ada and Tove. It's like, how did he turn around so quickly? He's grieving. I mean, his mother and him, they both grieve in, I don't want to say unhealthy ways. Because, I mean, what is it? How am I to tell them, like, what's the correct way to grieve? But he should be a little more cognizant of, like, what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Because he's completely just going to his mother's side. When his mother and Tove is even like, hey, mom's not like, she's not all there right now. Like, I'm just, I'm just letting you know, like, are you okay? <laughs> don't like follow her lead so yeah. much because I don't think she's okay. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, older sister advice. Yeah. Here. All right. So this brings us to our very first what is happening or big what is happening moment. So Mara makes for the cabinet that the boy is in and chaos ensues a shot is fired daniel goes to push the gun out of the way and then time stops Mm -hmm. just stops there's like a rippling effect that comes from the cabinet so obviously the boy and or pyramid or something did that and time just stops she takes the bullet and she's like i'm the flash now (laughs) bye (laughs) (laughs) you know this part of the episode I don't know. I feel like the series needed this. Yeah. You know, this like totally topsy-turvy thing to really make you scratch your head. And then from this moment on, it feels like no holds barred. It's just like things have gone cuckoo bananas. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. Yeah. There's a lot that happens in this episode back to back to back. Mm -hmm. The boy gets out of the cabinet because she opens it and doesn't talk or say anything and just leads her out of the room. Time goes back to normal and they're like, it's magic, it's sorcery, where'd she go? The boy's gone. 
And then sirens start to blare. Uh-oh. And even the captain's like, I don't know what that means. They're like, you should know what this means. He's yeah. like, not me. Yeah. Sorry. You know those people that did the mutiny stuff? Ask them. I didn't do it. This is all Eben. Yeah. Yeah. Then the ticking starts. This, the way they did this episode, this is the type of thing that I just, I love. They're using sound to also drive how the movements of the characters are going to go and then also building tension and being like what is happening when people start in that trance and start walking to the deck of the boat they're walking in the cadence of the ticking oh man that was so cool this whole scene was so insane but just i was i was like this is beautiful and like uh they thought of how to do these shots it was just so cool it was super eerie and there's I don't know. There's something about watching these human beings lose control mm. or 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 lose um, being forced their own will. Yeah. Right. So it reminds me of although it's like everyone he hated it. The happening from M Night Shyamalan. Ugh. Right. When people just stop in their tracks and whatever happens. And yeah. There was a show. Oh, quite a few years ago. Like the first episode was great. I think it was called Flash Forward or something like that. Could be. And one day on Earth, everybody just stopped and they all dropped to the floor and then they've all got flashes of the future. But I love it. Like it's that mm-hmm. it's, every time I see it, it's such a cool thing. Right. And I think that the way that they did it here, I mean, building the mystery even more, it's like, why did the siren sound? Where does the ticking of the clock right. come from? And it's like, and time just stopped. So in these like 10 <laughs> minutes of the show, your your just mouth is agape because you have absolutely no idea what's happening. Yeah, I had to be like, can you rewind this? I I, I forgot to take notes because I'm very confused. Yeah, what's happening? Yeah. We were just and oh my gosh, just total total mayhem. Yeah, and and to increase the bewilderment even more, so most of the people just kind of like drop what they're doing and start walking towards the deck. Except for a lot of our main characters, they don't seem to really be in this trance. Some of them do, like Crestor and Miss Wilson. They seem to be in this trance. So essentially what is happening is people are throwing themselves overboard. Mm. And it was very intense to see. You see people going into rooms and then the windows, you see bodies just falling by the windows. Great creative decision on their part terrifying to yeah. be experiencing that i'm pretty sure yeah and we we see it through the eyes the first time we see that is through lucien and clements yeah they're, they're in their room and they're having a discussion and you just hear woof, woof, going yeah. past their window and she knows it she's like it's bodies well yeah i mean what else would Ooh, that be <laughs> creepy they're throwing stuff over nope that's bodies furniture it's the chairs <laughs> so sadly there's two of our characters that go overboard Ling's mom, mm-hmm. she's the first one to go over, and then Crestor. Crestor's dad actually witnesses him going overboard. When this happened, I was sad. When we watch these two episodes in whole, I'm not too sure we should be sad. Like, I don't think they're dead. Well, that's the... So, it, it was really funny, actually. So, earlier in the episode, when things were still ramping up, I was like, Oh, wow. There's actually a bunch of people still on the ship that are not really involved in the mutiny at all. Yeah. They're all just hanging out in their rooms. Well, they kind of got like pushed into their rooms. Like, yeah. Forced. But they're not fighting for one no. side or the other. They're just like, when are we going to America? Yeah. I w- I'm just waiting to go to Manhattan. <laughs> Can I have some tea, please? Something. <laughs> yeah. um, but then immediately they're taken over by the ticking of the clock. But 
so those people who really didn't mean much, they kind of become part of this. But it's it's odd that two of our main characters also become part of this. Right. And so it leads to the question of who really are our main players here? How much involvement do they have? Right. right. So it, it's interesting that people from the same family, one of them is taken over by the ticking. Well, I wonder if so there is something that is said. Uh, the boy, he does eventually talk. Surprise, mm-hmm. he can fucking talk. And this whole time, he just decided not to. And he says that they're listening. And that's kind of why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Crestor seemed like he was on his lowest low. And he was kind of able to do, like, it seemed like he was taken over a little bit more. All of our main characters decide to tie themselves up. So that way they don't get compelled to jump overboard. And it did seem like the mom, Mama Dutch, that she started getting compelled to do it. So I wonder if the more it goes on, they all would have. You, you know, so I'm, yeah. I'm just kind of confused on the inner workings of this forced jumping off the boat. But <laughs> And it's interesting because it does seem like for these characters, there is some sort of, like you said, either on-off switch or rerouting switch or they do their code over. Because I was even thinking about um, Ada, right? And, and her death is that it wasn't a death she just got shut off man they're all robots beep, boop, boop. yeah so it's <laughs> so all these things that we thought were like very real and like, right oh my gosh she's gone it's like oh no the, like her coding just stopped you or know? they're all dead who knows or they unplug them yeah <laughs> I, yeah that is yet to be seen in these two episodes spoiler we do not have the answer to nope. what is going on with that <laughs> so the boy ends up kind of giving mara some answers here after he tells her that they're listening, he also tells her that if you want answers, I can't tell you, but ask the creator. Mm-hmm. Jesus? The God? <laughs> Is that the same God that's whispering to our friend Eben? No, I don't think so. No? <laughs> the boy and Mara end up going into the hidden chamber under her bed, and it opens to a passage via beetle magic. I still you don't know, know how those it works. unlocking beetles. <laughs> Is that in Harry Potter? It might be. No, no. no. <laughs> this is going beyond Harry Potter. <laughs> and the this passage opens into the place that we saw at the beginning of the episode. The place she grew up with the asylum in the distance. Yes, the very sad hillside. Yeah, it's very dreary, but also looks beautiful. There's snow snow on like the hills slash little tiny mountains. Snow-capped mountains. Yeah, I like it. And, it a, and nice. a mental hospital yeah. in the background. But just don't turn that way because the there's hills. also a grave right there too. So just... That's right. The grave is still there, but it no longer says wake up on it. Yeah, yeah. They enter this land via the chamber. And if you turn around and look, the chamber is just floating in the middle of the just floating. It's green screen magic. <laughs> yeah. But in the real in their real fake world. So they went from a boat to this place. I don't know how this works. It's very much Doctor Who. It's bigger on the inside than oh, the outside. Sure. Yes, yes, yes. They're just in a TARDIS. Absolutely. Yeah. So it it does it is feeling like some grand design, some matrixy thing, the architect, the creator. It's feeling like that. Like there's obviously, which we find out, maybe some type of experiment that we've theorized is happening. I don't know to what extent or to why. Yeah. And you know, just thinking back for a second. So it it wasn't necessarily time that stopped. It was just like the program stopped. Right. You know, whatever. I I keep saying computer program. I don't know what it is. I'm also thinking things are viruses and hackers. So it's just like 
it it paused, I guess. The video paused at that moment. And right. now they're in the hillside, wherever that is. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's some somebody has the code to something yeah. and can do it. Daniel being one of them with his poppet cell phone device. Absolutely. Yeah. And he does follow them down into the same place. Mara heads to the asylum over there. He meets up with the boy and he says that you shouldn't have done that. He it knows we're here. So he doesn't say the creator and he doesn't say whatever. He says it knows we're here. Yeah. And the boy responds that we've never made it this far and maybe it will work this time. So, of course, it's pretty clear now that this experiment is just continues, gets start, starts over whenever the outcome isn't what it needs to be and goes again. That's why the boy again was in the cupboard. The things are mirroring the other things. Mm hmm. To what extent? We don't know. Again, <laughs> I need to know. And, and of course, there's the why are Daniel and the boy the ones outside of all of this that know exactly what's going on? And it's really strange that they won't say anything. Like, I know, obviously, you can't cheat the outcome of whatever experiment or the thing that you want to happen. But wouldn't it be a little easier if you just kind of nudged them in the right direction <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this with is, words. This is our big complaint with most things, right? It's like just talk, just tell them, yeah. you know. And especially because we see earlier that he can write, write, write her a note, right? Hey, Mora, guess what? Your this X Y Z is happening. Nothing's real. Flick this switch, yeah. baby. You'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Daniel also says in this conversation that he needs to stop them before they sink the ship, like it's happened before, <laughs> which it probably has. Mora, Mora. Mara makes her way to the same room number that she has in the asylum that we've seen already. And her father's there, but he asks her, where is it? So he's looking for something that she only knows where it is, but she doesn't remember where it is. So it's one of those classic <laughs> cases of you wiped her memory and she doesn't know. <laughs> Give me the thing. What thing? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And she asks where her brother is. And I assumed her brother's name was Henry, because that's the note that we saw her get. And we assumed that was it. No, it's Siren, Syrian, Kieran, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> it was subtitled. I didn't know how to say it. <laughs> All I know is that Noah's like, who's Kieran? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, isn't her brother's name Henry? We find out. I'm just going to say this now. That her middle name is Henrietta. Which translates to writing postage to her in Henry. <laughs> Why don't you just call her Mara? I don't know. It was a red herring that they put in the yeah, show. <laughs> there's some long-winded explanation that he calls her Henry because the dad liked her better. And he says that she's just going to turn into their father because she's also interested in mental health. So he calls her a male name instead of her name or something like that. It was a red herring for sure. And um, a lot, a lot. I'm like, wait, so what is your name? <laughs> well, and, and then we find out that, that her like her real last name is Singleton anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the owner that the same company that bought the boats. Her father is the person that bought the boats. It's a lot. <laughs> and of course, it's like the boat is what Ike and Mora believe are a thing, but in reality, the father... You know what I mean? So it's like the boats aren't even real. Or are they? Or is it just the name brand of the computer that they're using of the experiment that they're in? Yeah, they do call it Project Keberos, Project Prometheus. So it does seem like these experiments have names. I, 
the boat thing is still confusing to me. Again, I don't think anything is real. They keep telling us in these two episodes, you need to change your perspective. Mm. We're all imprisoned by what our minds think is real. So they're just leading us on a wild goose chase until they actually wake up. Right. I mean, we should have been watching this whole thing upside down. That's the perspective. <laughs> we, have a, we would have had everything answered if we were upside down watching this And show. at a directly 45 degree angle. Yeah, through a mirror yeah. as well. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's not a pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> the diamond. So she doesn't get any answers from her father that glitches away. She gets injected again and wakes up. And this is where she tells Ike, I'm actually this. This is what happened. Blah, blah, blah. My dad is the person that did the thing. She believes that her brother went missing the same time that the Prometheus left. She believes her dad put him on the boat or something. There's no coincidence that he disappeared for the same amount of time. And she's trying to figure out what happened. So that's why she's on this boat. Turns out Ike was still hiding secrets from her. Mm. And the passenger list. It was signed by Ike. So he was, again, the captain of the Prometheus. So they've done this before. Apparently, they failed the first time or the 10th, 20th, 1,000th time, and they're doing this all again. But they're finding breadcrumbs from their past attempts. <laughs> right. And, you know, it, it makes me wonder, is this an experiment on them or are they part of a group that if they figure something out, they're going to unlock some discovery about mental health or, or something like that? You know what I mean? Is he not necessarily experimenting on them for them to figure things out, but he's watching them like mice in a maze? I don't know, because there is the language that they use sometimes, especially Daniel and the scenes that we do get with her father, the creator, as we're assuming and sebastian because spoiler he works for him is that they need something to make sure something happens or to unlock something or to protect something there's different languages that different characters use and the language of calling something it mm. makes it seem like more of a thing or an entity of some sort i don't know we do see these black kind of quartz crystally things start taking over the ship I don't know. Uh, is it the pyramid? Is it something that they found? Her father's obsessed with knowing how the mind works. It's very like, I don't know if there's two different people going for different outcomes here. Mm, or is it like something, those, the, the black crystals, do they represent, you know, insanity or something like that? And if you let it take you over it, you know, or is it, well, all, you can't touch it. Yeah. Is it all a metaphor for mental health? I can't, I can't do metaphors. <laughs> It's all an allegory. I'm still just trying to figure out how the boat works. <laughs> coal. No, it doesn't. It's, it's coal and some little baby iPads oh or, or whatever those things are. I did love the scene of when Daniel does go back to the ship and he's hacking the mainframe again. He whips out a flashlight. Yeah. And the guy's like, what is that? Yeah. Although I did discover, guess when the flashlight was invented? 1899. Absolutely. Oh, was it really? Yeah. No, it wasn't. January 1899 was the patent for the flashlight. Oh, well, they, I mean, it's not January now, so they had to have known. Yeah. So the guy, the get coal, off the boat one day. Yeah. <laughs> get off, get out of the coal pits. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, that particular character, I was like thinking like, what is that guy's name? And whenever the subtitles came up for him, it just said worker. Yeah. He has no <laughs> other job in this entire show except to beat the crap out of Daniel and then get deactivated. Yep. <laughs> 
He, That's it. He does a little beep boop on his handheld and the guy falls to the ground. Yeah, we get a scene in this episode where Mara's father gets a message from Project Kepros. And it's the room that we saw those monitors in at the end of the first episode. So it's kind of calling that we're going to see this again. Her father's there getting that. He looks out the window and there's a big giant black pyramid. And it looks like the landscape is the same landscape that Mara keeps going to almost. So I don't know. And and while that happened, you know, we finally got to live in that room a little bit. And I'm looking around. There's there's two phones on the desk. There's like, you know, sort of modern looking uh, desk lamps. So it's and all the music is from the 70s. Right. So I'm thinking he's based in the 70s. They're definitely not actually in 1899. No, no, no. Yeah, definitely for sure. Not. Yeah. It's more modern because they have electricity and telephones and not telegrams right. <laughs> and that type of stuff. So, but what year is it? We still don't know. When and where. <laughs> was there a calendar on the wall we yeah. should have been looking for? So, yeah. So episode five was really about I just that intense scene with people jumping off the boat, getting a little more understanding of like, it seems like under each chamber... So Mara's goes to where she knows. Mm-hmm. Ike's goes to his big thing. So, his memory. Yeah. So everybody has their own almost gateway, chamber, whatever to the thing that is either driving them or makes them who they are or they have to get over. You know, yeah. there's something about Ike and Mora, right? Who like they really are feeling like our main players here. They're driving more of the mystery action. And they have the chambers in their room. But we see with the other characters, they get transported to their memories not in one finite space. No. You know, we saw with Ling Yi, it kind of popping in and out. She's on the deck. She's below deck. Uh, Lucien is wherever he fell down. And then, you know, in this episode, we get to see in the following episode six, Tove, no matter what door she's going through, she she pops back into her that, memory. That's kind of why I was thinking that whoever's controlling this is doing it on purpose and just kind of taking him out of it, putting him in this thing and putting him back, or it's a glitch. I, it's hard to tell. Yeah, or, you know, is it something, it's a defense thing of, of the people who are doing the experiment of whenever they're just about to figure something out on the ship, they zap them to their past. Right. Okay. I don't know. I don't believe it's their past, though, because if if by chance they aren't actually in whatever time period, they wouldn't be in that time period. Like if this did take place in the seventies, they wouldn't be in that part of Europe Mm. and that part of China at that time. So back to my murder mystery theory. (laughs) It was plum. (laughs) Well, did you? If if you've ever gone to a murder mystery party, you're given a backstory of your character, and that's what it feels like, right? Well. Yeah, it seems like they either have the ability to take people out of time and use them for this experiment, or if they can take memories away, they can put memories in. Mm. Some of these memories suck. Yeah, (laughs) but trauma. Yeah, so we'll talk about episode six now. That's kind of a good segue-ish into episode six. So Tove has the wake-up scenes in this one. Um, They are very hard to watch. I think it's interesting to see actually what happened because we kind of theorized what happened that it seemed like Crester had gotten abused in some way because he was gay and she might have helped him with that or something. And that's kind of true. 
ish ish but it's also very terrible so to talk about that so tove she at the beginning of the episode she's in the woods she's looking for ada she goes behind a tree and there's this man that we've never seen before and she's terrified of him throughout this episode we see scenes of that go on because ike decides to actually be a leader and he's like okay we need a party to look for survivors, a party to do the telegraph, a party to shovel coal into the thing, and a party to find the boy. So he splits everybody up. And Tove goes with the women to go look for survivors throughout the boat, which, I mean, if, if there were survivors, like, I would assume they'd make their way up to the top at Ag- some point. Agreed. <laughs> and you have to figure, so we had about 1,400 passengers on this boat, and now there's 10, maybe? I mean, for an hour in the last episode, people were just dropping off the boat. So, yeah. <laughs> guys, I think I, they're all gone. Everybody seemed to notice when people were dropping and came up yeah. to the top to see. <laughs> but I guess there needs to be a search party. Sure. I... So in the search party, we have Miss Wilson, Clements, Tove, and Dutch Mama. And Tove sees Crestor throughout the halls, and she follows him. And every time she follows him into a door or she kind of gets left alone, she sees this scene play out and kind of what brought her to where she is. Crestor is held at gunpoint by a gunman. And we find out that Crestor and this gunman's son, who I guess employs them to work on their land, they had some type of relationship. Mm-hmm. A homosexual relationship. Whatever time period you're in, you're always at risk to piss somebody off. And he's there to give them punishment for taking his son's innocence. Yeah, it's so terrible. As he shoots, Tove pushes the gun out of the way, and that's how he has the scar. Right. Missed him barely. But good job, Tove. She that quick on her feet. But in these scenes, I do think it it, it does seem like a program loading. She gets there and they don't react right away. It's kind of like the scene is loading and then they react. Yeah. The way that we experience the scene, it's like sort of like memories being stacked on top of memories right you know and it's like it's like one detail is added hodgepodge yeah it is it's a little bit of decoupage happening because she she knocks she knocks the guy and then you know the gun shoots and it takes crester's the side of crester's face but then when she comes back again she's sort of standing there realizing what's happening so the guy's not on the floor she's not on the floor anymore so it's interesting how it's not a continuation of what happened. It's just kind of like her putting pieces together. Yeah, it's, I don't know how it works. I don't know how these memory things work at all and why they show in these specific scenes. He, her parents are there now and Ada is somewhere not to be found. Still at school, maybe. And the guy's not done with them. He decides that since they took something from him, he's going to take something from them and proceeds to... While the family watches, rapes Tove, and I will say, Tove got him. After she comes to, she smacks his face with the rock, and then blasts him in the face with the gun, which you deserved worse. (laughs) You know, if there's anyone I want to survive this series, it's Tove. Yeah. Because she has been the only one that's been the most with it. She seems to have the most capability of i don't know just like really looking at a situation and figuring out what needs to be done uh she's the strongest of all these people yeah yeah and i think what she did was extremely brave 
and she we find out that that's why she's pregnant mm. and it's more disturbing now knowing that and her mom continuously telling her that you've been chosen that this is a blessing it's disgusting i don't i'm not here for the mom like i like she's trying to tell her that oh what happened was a good thing this i mean why are you putting that on her well it i mean it is very much a narrative that is used currently right about you know what i mean and right. so it's very she has no choice no it's very real right Right. And and disturbing, but to say the least. To your point, I think Tove is amazing and she's strong. There is two people that I like, or t- Tove and I like Ling and Olek. I, oh. If those three survive, I'm totally fine. <laughs> but it's 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 hard because you know, as again, we're ruminating on theories here. These paths that we're being shown may not be real, and so the paths are like these struggles are what are making us see the strength of these characters. Right. But what have they actually really been through? Right. Right? It's confusing. But it's even... Oh, man. If they're not real, it's even more fucked up. And whoever did this, this sucks. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is... I, I'm, I'm very nervous that none of our questions are going to be answered by the end of this season. No, I, I don't think they will, or at least not the big ones. I think they've planned three seasons. Just no. Like, yeah, just like Dark. So, like, we're not going to get any answers for this. <laughs> I am... So sad right now. Just <laughs> let's stop recording. There's no need to do this to ourselves. So how we've been recording these episodes, it's actually really funny. The first episode that we talk about has like all the big stuff that happens. The second episode is kind of the aftermath or building up to the next big thing. So in this episode, the sixth one, it's kind of just sitting with these different parties and where they're at slash where everything's going to kind of go. So... Let's talk about the Cole party, because they're kind of like the least, not, not much happens with them. And the Cole party has Franz, Olek, Ling, Jerome, and Hel, Daniel, and Lucian. Daniel kind of skips around to different parties, but I included him anyway. <laughs> yeah, he likes to run amok on the ship. Yeah, and this is where we first see that mysterious black quartz substance. I can't call it goo, because it... It's crystalline. It looks like crystals. Yes. It it reminds me of that like kid science experiment when you would make rock candy on a piece of string. Did oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It was salt, right? It was sugar. Or something. I think sugar. Oh, probably. Because you could eat it. It was like candy. Oh, the one I did, I couldn't eat. The one I did never worked. So <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're doing a podcast because we're not scientists. No. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> But so they need to get the engine started, obviously, because they're just floating in the water, no power, nothing. They're just sitting there. Olek and Ling go up to get more coal because the thing constantly does not work. The thing that's supposed to work well, doesn't work. Jerome was hiding in it and probably <laughs> broke it at some point. His body broke the entire yeah. coal dispensary <laughs> unit of this gigantic ship. The most important scene in this is that we finally see a very nice kiss between Olek and Ling. I liked it. I love them. They're very nice. Even though they can't really talk that much, it goes to show you that love transcends language. (laughs) They're just drawn to each other. Yeah, and we also learn a little bit about somehow they communicate to each other 
Um, as they're trying to pull this lever, they fall to the floor in a very sort of animated way. Blah. Right? It's like a cartoon. It's like, and then they smooch. Uh, and his the Statue of Liberty photo falls out, and we learn that it's actually from his brother. And that's not lover. Going. No. It's not another brother-lover situation. No, no, no. <laughs> this is not an Angel Ramiro type of situation. Maybe. No. So then she feels like, well, I'm afraid to smooch you now. <laughs> Everybody seems to know just basic English. Yeah. No, they don't. The five questions. I feel like they don't, though. <laughs> yeah. She was like, girl. He was oh, like, yeah, yeah, brother. Yeah. And yeah. then she was like, yeah. <laughs> My biggest grievance about this episode, but it might go with the story now that I literally just kind of figured it out within saying that. So all these parties are split up. Different people speak in different languages, don't know their language, and they kind of have these monologues at each other. Like the two priests are sitting there. Papa Dutch and Ramiro are there. Do not speak the same language, but they're having conversations. We have Clements and Tove have a great conversation. Well, have a she has a monologue to Tove, and she doesn't say anything back. She puts on pants. Yeah, she puts on pants. I don't know that if since this whole thing is constructed or built in some way that they do might understand what they're saying. They all got translators, baby. Right, or they just don't care. <laughs> like if somebody was sitting there for five minutes telling me something in a language I did not know, I'd be like. <laughs> what <laughs> uh come again yeah <laughs> perhaps in dutch <laughs> do you know dutch do you, danish D- german sometimes people a lot of people know german on the ship <laughs> any then, of them <laughs> and then like you think about like so you think about the coal party right it's like there's angel speaks spanish oleg speaks polish Lingy speaks Cantonese. We have Lucien and Jerome that speak French. Okay, so those two can understand each other. That's Daniel it. comes running in speaking English every <laughs> once in a while. Franz can speak German, and he can also speak maybe some Danish? I mean, I think they're kind of similar. They share some similarities. Yeah, you know, I... Okay, offshoot. You ready? Sure. Who's ready for a Drag Race offshoot? Oh, my God. So I was watching Drag Race uh-huh. Italia last night, <laughs> and they one of their special guest judges was actually the host of Drag Race Espana. Right. So here I am going, oh, okay, Italian and Spanish, they're both the love language, like two of the love languages. They're going to be able to understand each other. No. No. None of the words sounded <laughs> yeah. the same. It's always like in your mind, you're like, oh, yeah, Italian and Spanish are similar. No, no, no. Yeah. They sounded nothing alike. And the Spanish host cannot. It, so it's like, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way these people understand each other. Yeah. It, it's language is very interesting. I mean, to find out too that there are some very slight similarities, like some like Portuguese kind of mixes in with Spanish and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that obviously depends on wars and colonization and stuff throughout the history, but they're not similar. No. And then some actually have relationships with others that you wouldn't think. Dude, it's so weird. Well, even think about that. We figured it out. We got it. Those those <laughs> viral videos um from back like back in the day, a couple of years ago, where they would do the words in like English, French, Spanish, and oh, German. Right. And yeah. it's like hospital, hospitale, hospital, and Krankenhaus. Yeah. You know? It's like Schmitterling. Schmitterling it's butterfly. It's my favorite one. Schmitterling. <laughs> Schmitterling. I love the one where they uh it's for German. Yeah. And when they say Cinderella, it's Ashenputel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> I also love um, the ambulance, Kronken, Kronkenwagen. Yeah, 
Oh, we love languages here on a bite of. <laughs> yes, but and apparently on this boat they do as well. Yeah, so the coal party uh, smooching aside, they get the power back on. Mm. Great for them. Good They're job shoveling that coal in there. So, let's get to the search party. There's very few things that happen with this one aside from the stuff that we talked about with Tove. Uh so in the search party we have Miss Wilson, Clements, Tove and Dutch Mama. Mama Dutch is it seems like she's really coping with everything by saying it's all written in God's plan. God is the one that decided everything. I'm going to put all my trust in him because what is supposed to happen is God's will. She said, you know what? This week, my youngest daughter turned up dead. (laughs) This week? This week. And then a day later, not even maybe, my son, he jumped off the boat. But (laughs) it's okay. It's all good. Wow, that is a coping mechanism. That's the only, because it does seem Tove is right, that she is slowly disassociating in some way, coping in the wrong direction. She's just... Yeah, and yeah. We, we have to wonder if what happened with that other farmer right. is what triggered all of this delusion from the mom. Well, the dad, so the dad and Ramiro, uh, Papa Dutch, are... The, he puts the two priests in charge of they're the telegraph. The Morse, yeah, they're the Morse coders. And one, does they do not speak the same language, even remotely, so that's hilarious. They're just typing in different languages. And what language are they, exactly, what language are they sending the message in? <laughs> but he, he talks to Romero, and he says how he doesn't believe in God. Like, not especially not to the extent that his wife does, which was kind of like, ooh, that's... He was like, I was just a farmer. Yeah. But he wants her to be happy. And he said that a lot of this kind of came about when something happened. Oh, she obviously dove headfirst into that. And the dad's kind of like, if this makes her happy, sure. Cheryl Crow. Yeah. (laughs) If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of. Cheryl Crow? No. Oh. Absolutely not. Uh, these these two priests, when the the power comes back on and they're like, oh, there's nobody here to steer the ship. And they look for books. I love that. But- I do love I love because Ramiro says exactly what we're thinking. He's like, what you're going to read how to steer the ship. You're going to figure that out right now. Yeah. OK. I mean, I I I don't think it's not it's not a bad idea. Mama, you got the steering wheel right there. You just spin it, see what happens. I don't think it works that way. <laughs> the wheel's just for show. Because don't they have to like turn off one propeller to go? Yeah, I don't know. I, in Titanic, I remember the movie. <laughs> I remember them like calling down, being like, you know, forty-five knots. You know, I don't know. I think they have to shovel more coal the faster they have to go. <laughs> Is that? I don't. Okay, so we're not scientists, nor are we uh, people who work on ships. Shipmen. 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 Sailors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) Whatever. This show is making us lose our minds, okay? Yeah, it really is. What were you talking about? Oh, okay, books. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. The books and the priests. So (laughs) as he's looking in these books, everything says, may your coffee kick in before your reality does. I think they listened to a bite of very early episodes. Cold brew kicking in. Kicking in. that Copyright. was the name of one of our Patreon levels. It was. It was. It's kicking in. Our R.I.P. But 
Does that sound like the saying on a coffee mug to you? It I I was like, this must have been like a Folgers slogan. I looked it up and it just literally came up with mugs and t-shirts that said that. See? The the second I saw that, I was like, this seems like one of those weird, just mass produced on a mug or t-shirt type of thing. Absolutely. And you know what it reminds me of? Of you know, it, I don't know, if you're going to like some sort of reenactment place or uh, something like that. They just have prop books that are right. on the shelf, and it just says gibberish in them. Yeah. So, That's what this is. Yeah, 100%. And they're like, just put the saying in it. It looks like words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, this is, again, leading us to realize that this is all fake. Yeah, it's not real. Which brings us to the party that has not all the answers, but some of the answers. And that's the boy party with Moira and Ike. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> So Ike decides to not tell anybody about Moira's father, which, again, deciding to keep things from people is not fantastic, and I don't agree with. They end up going into the chamber and into the asylum to go look for answers. You know what they find? None of the answers and more questions, because out the window is the hull of the ship. <gasps> In behind the wall, hull of the walls. ship. <laughs> Moira's punching walls. And it sounds like the hull of the ship. It's so weird. You know what I have a question about? Uh-huh. What is going on between Mora and Ike? Nothing. One or tw- once or twice, they had moments holding each other's arms, hands st- staring longingly into each other's eyes. She might have had an affair ah. with him. We find out Daniel is apparently her husband. I'm not sure I believe it. Married 12 years ago. Yeah. You know who looks about 10 through 12 years old? The boy. That was it. Ah. That their son. Well, they do look. We were kind of assuming that Daniel and the boy were Make, similar. Yeah, makes more sense than my theory of it. That's baby Daniel or whatever <laughs> the hell I was trying to get at. <laughs> well, anything can happen apparently in this show. He's and in, in, in he can't call her mom. Yeah, <laughs> mom. He's not allowed to talk. Grandpa's listening. No, 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 no. The <laughs> as they're looking through this asylum or this mental health hospital, they see that black quartz coming through everywhere in the ship everywhere it's just kind of coming in it seems like whatever time they have is running out mm. and and we also do see that mrs wilson touches the black quartz and it starts to spread in her hand on her finger it turns black poo poo she touched the horror crux that is exactly it and her hand's dying <laughs> sorry lady <laughs> that's I mean, what happened she was almost going to be off the ship so uh the second that they were like, oh, Miss Wilson just happened to be the last ones, I was like, you jerks. Or do you think she's lying? She was just like playing. Yeah, but why would she touch the black stuff? Ah, she's an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> That's the only answer. That's probably true. Yeah, she's just really slow to walk to her death. <laughs> she's <laughs> trying to answer. gossip with everyone as they were walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ike and Moira are going through this whole thing. They're not getting any answers. And Daniel shows up. And Daniel reveals to her that I'm your husband, blah, blah, blah. Also teleports Ike away and puts him in like his chamber in the woods where his burnt down family house is. Those little iPod touches have so much power. (laughs) She goes, beep, beep, boop, solve the puzzle. You're gone. Goodbye. (laughs) But Moira ends up, Moira, dang it. I said Moira. Mara ends up putting him in the room, taking both devices and going outside in a very like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Throws the gun. It's an invisible wall. What the heck? So that's not really a landscape. And she was right to say it feels different. It's different. Because it is. It's not real. <laughs> and she she peels 
a part a panel of the wall off and it reveals the hull of the, the ship hull again? Of the ship again or the pyramid the wall of the pyramid we don't know they both look the same i couldn't tell you what a black pyramid looks like or what it's made out of it's not stalactites or whatever those the crystalline things are nope not at all <laughs> and guess who's watching the whole time her father dad yeah he does, the boy does tell her that if you want answers, ask the creator, but is the creator her dad or is it the it that Daniel's referring mm. to? So I'm not too sure. She does cry out for him and she knows, she says, I know you're watching me, which he literally you is. poopy head. Yeah. <laughs> he is actually watching her. So to wrap up these two episodes, what we see at the end of this, did we talk about Sebastian? Not really. No, not really. It, throughout these episodes, he... He's put messages into the wall. He's triangle, obviously, triangle, triangle, triangle. Right. Up triangle, down triangle, <laughs> square, triangle, whatever. And he, it's clear he's working for the company. So much so that he goes into the cabinet to Narnia to f- meet with the creator. And he's like, they're running out of time. Tell him to hurry up and find the boy. I need the Black Pyramid. So the boy has a thing that the creator's looking for. But it's weird that he can't just like. So does he have control over this project or not? Because if the boy's in there, just well, take him out. Yeah, it feels like Daniel and the boy are rogues, are hackers of some sort. They've hacked into this. And They're viruses. They, yeah, they know all the back. Like it feels like it's like the black stuff is the virus, and they're the hackers, and everybody else is just part of the program. I don't like it. Oh, do you remember that show from the '90s reboot? No. Oh, it was a great cartoon show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and yeah, they yeah. had to stop the virus from right. spreading. That This is reboot. Yeah. <laughs> on a ship. <laughs> on a ship. Yes. On a perpetual ship. Yes. And Daniel, Mora, and the boy are the three main characters from reboot. Yeah. <laughs> we figured it out. In this meeting <laughs> with Sebastian and... Dad. Dad, Franklin, or Grandpa. Singleton. Sorry. Not Franklin. That's where we get the whole thing of, like, they can't see the full scope and blah, blah, blah. All blah, you blah. have to do is shift their perspective to see the full scope of things. Right. But what does that mean? Right. <laughs> Why does everybody talk in riddles? So, so we have everybody at this, the final, ep- the end of this episode kind of starts meeting on the boat. So we see that it's only our main cast or the characters that we've gotten to know a little bit, excluding Crestor and Mom. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. They're gone. But. Ike goes through the chamber that he's done a few times to get back to the ship, and it turns out he's on a different ship in a sea of other identical ships that looks like they failed that many times. Ship graveyard, baby. Yikes. A big storm is approaching. Yes. The Keberos, and um, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Tove <laughs> is like, this isn't real. And then Ike says the same thing. Yeah. This can't be real. It, it very much feels like in the Truman show mm. when Truman figures out that it's not real and he's trying to get to the edge and they just like put a storm on him. Right. Stop him. Right. So it's like it almost seems like the programmers are getting desperate and they're ramping up the danger. But so this is what I want to know. If her father wants a particular thing. Why does something have to have a certain outcome to do that? And it obviously seems like the outcome that Daniel and the boy want are different from the father. So if they do want to stop them, what are they stopping them from getting to? Like, 
if they got to America, do they beat the program? Mm. You know? And, and it seems like for Daniel and the boy, Mora is the key to stopping Yeah, but she don't this. remember. Well, that's the thing. They keep talking about that. She doesn't. The boy says to Daniel, she doesn't remember. Right. And Daniel says to her, why can't you remember? Please, please remember. And so she has flashes. You know, we're torn between what is Mora's deal? Is she is she really, you know, still in the the mental ward or she where it's very confusing, but it feels like she is the key to stopping whatever her father is trying to do. She says something to Ike about how her she worked at the hospital as a doctor Mm. and her father is like saying that she's a patient or like put her as a patient. Right. So yeah, it's really interesting, but is that true or is this all just fabricated? Well, it maybe she is the doctor and that's why they all hear her telling them to wake, wake up. up. Yeah. And they're all they're all patients. Yes. Oh They've no. They've all been driven insane by something. I don't like that. That's sad. <gasps> but then he's experimenting on all these poor Yeah. Well, he yeah. is. Yeah, regardless, he's experimenting on all these. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And Sebastian's just his evil little doctor friend. My God. Okay. Wow. Storms are coming. Yeah, storms coming. Next week. No. Yes. Next week, we have the penultimate and finale ultimate <laughs> episode of 1899. Wee, wee, wee. See you on the ship. Yeah. <laughs> woo. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to A Bite Of. Artwork and editing by our own Noah. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at a bite of pod and on Facebook at a bite of. If you have any questions, recommendations, or just want to say hi, you can contact us on a bite Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to spread the word. See you next time on a bite of. Bye. Bye.